Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I get to introduce you to one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, We've been together for a very, very long time. I remember meeting John Honnold about the fourth week that we were a church in Hawaii. And a young guy comes up to me, real kind of cocky, and uh, says, hope you don't mind. I'm knocking off your sermons. I lead a Bible study under a tree at this college campus. And every week I just teach your material. I hope that's okay with you. And I kind of challenged him back and go, just keep doing that. You'll be our college pastor. And he was. And he became one of the, the best uh, worship leaders that we had, uh, super executive. John and I worked together really well. I come up with goofy, flowery, silly ideas, and John systematizes them. Uh, we're really great around a whiteboard together. And uh, John has pastored very successfully, built a church up to about 700 people, planted churches throughout Asia, done a lot of things. He's now in the process of taking... Um, a prevailing model church into micro church, and I, I'm just so excited to introduce him to all of you guys today. You're going to love my good friend John Huddle. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Really glad to have you here, Ralph. Thanks. I was just um, I, I I have fond memories of when we met um, back at um, it was at Ulamal Village. It was we weren't even the pavilion. We you guys had just left the beach, and and I was there, and and we talk about worship, but the guy I was sitting next to, and we were there not only talking about, you know, this this guy that gave a great message, but I was sitting next to a guy named Mark Souza. And I, I just, Mark had made a comment like, hey, I could play worship better than the guy. And, and, you know, lo and behold, a couple months later, you invite him and he becomes our incredible worship guru, worship Yoda for the life of our church. But yeah, um, next month, Ralph, it'll be, um, since you've hired me, it's I'm 39 years full-time in ministry now. So thank you. Wow. Wow. You know, I had no idea that you and Mark knew each other that early on. Yeah, um, yeah, we we were together, and you know, we we ended up just you know playing in each other's bands and just really being each other's just encouragers for all the years that you know that we did that stuff. You know, it was so amazing the way you guys did it that every service had a different band. Yeah, we weren't working anybody to death, and uh, kind of. You know, join the team and we don't plug you in. Come on up and play with us for a while. And pretty soon you're good. And yeah. we were able to send bands out with every church that we planted. It, that was Those were very exciting days. It's, well, Ralph, from the early days, you know, that our value was that, um, you know, everybody plays. And then combine that with the idea of the priesthood believers. So we were always creating an environment where um, we were empowering people. And one of the, the keys of your leadership um, that I just love so much is you not only gave us responsibility, but you gave us authority. So so for Mark and I, who are two creative men, you allowed us within boundaries, but we could write songs. We could, you know, we could kind of flavor the music. Um, we took chances with people. Most of the time we were right. 
sometimes we were totally wrong, but, but you were always very forgiving because we would fail forward. And, and I think that's been one of the keys to our Hope Chapel movement is just, um, we have a value that everybody plays and that we believe everybody is an intrinsic value in what they do. You know, unfortunately, that DNA didn't always get passed down. It, you yeah. know, there's always the guys like you that go out and plant a bunch of churches. And, and then there's a lot of guys who are just kind of one and done. And I, I think it comes right back to what you're talking about, whether or not everybody plays. Yeah. And I think the other thing, Ralph, and, you know, we can have discussions later on, but I think that when we, be, you know, the legacy churches over time have become so Sunday centered that everything is about you got to do it absolutely perfect on a Sunday. And I think we were really into fumble and bumble and go through things. We are very, and one of the things I always get, I get offended when they talk about Hope Chapel is, oh yeah, they just go up there and wing it. No, they, we pre-planned. Um, you, you know, you insisted that our speakers be ready by Thursday. You know, I was your backup for years and I studied your notes. We, um, worship was prepared. Everything was set, but we were so prepared that we could flow with the spirit, but we were not given to perfection. It was like, Lord, what do you want to do? And 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 again, so I, I think that the guys that went out and just copied what we did at Kaneohe, because it was Hermosa to Kaneohe to us. Um, you know, later on, as we talk, John B has done that in Okinawa. You know, he's been a church planter in the Philippines. He's there right now, as a matter of fact, Ralph. Um, and he's about to pass on. He has 13 churches in the Philippines that he's planted. And he's taken one of his younger guys that's going to become the coach of his Philippine coaches. He's planted four in Okinawa. Yeah, but he, you know, when you talk to John, he says, why change it? If it ain't broke, you know, so he has the values, even has the original bulletin that we have from the 80s. He still yeah. uses it at his church. Yeah. You know, talking about John B., um, here's a guy who actually grew up with, there's mental illness in his family. And he was dyslexic. And so he kind of assumed that he had mental illness, which yeah. I don't think, you know, is, is dyslexia is not mental illness. And, uh, but he told me that he and his buddy went down and took the test to join the Marine Corps and put each other's names on the paper so that uh, John's paper would fail, but John's name would get through. And years later, when he became a Christian, he told his commanding officer what he had done. And, and the, the, but now the guy's a, a gunnery sergeant. He's, he's yeah. up there. He's, he's a leader of men. And, uh, it was so amazing. You know, he found the Lord in Okinawa. He ends up in our church in Hawaii. Yeah. And But how he ended up there was he'd listen on the radio. Every day we were on the radio. And the guy would listen and then turn the thing off toward the end of the show. And that when the music came up, he would turn it off. And by the way, I'm putting a bunch of those shows online on my website very soon. That's and we good. found 700 of them, and we're going to start putting them up there. And just, you know, a lot of guys are trying to model how to teach the Bible and make it fun. But John, you know, used to say to kind of griping to the Lord, I wish there was a church like that one around here. I'd attend it. And where he lived was, you know, six miles away from where we worshiped. And eventually he listened to the end of the show and he ended up with us. And then, you know, in the Marines, you, you don't get back-to-back -back overseas duty stations. But Hawaii is considered one. So he went from Okinawa to Hawaii, and then we we're all praying like crazy. He could go back to Okinawa. He went back in the military and, and as a church planter. And so he was Bible. 
And and so he's done all this church planting, all this raising up of leadership. He's even had guys that were uh, military officers who now have planted in the United States. Yes. Yes. uh, Tell everybody how big that church is, because you've been there since I have. It's 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 not a huge church, but it's huge in its footprint around the world. Well, Ralph, it's it's um, the, he planted in 1987. So what is that? That's uh, that's 30, 30 bunch of years. Um, he he has a building that that he's been renting. And, you know, um, but he's one of the things he did is because he developed the, the our mini church system. You know, there are small group system where you get a group of people together. And instead of being agenda or a Bible study, it's focused on the message, you know, head, heart, hands, you know. Um, uh, read the Bible. Okay. What's one thing that the pastor talked about on Sunday and that, that grabbed your heart? What's one thing that God wants you to do? Head, heart, hands. And he took that as his model. And so his guys would, um, Marines would come in, whether they knew Christ and they would grow or they'd get saved in his church, but they were so pumped up, Ralph, about being a mini church. They would go to the mainland and say, um, John, can I start a, a mini church in my town? And that's how he started a bunch of churches. Um, people, uh, Marines going back to the mainland would start a mini church that many of them turned into churches in their hometowns. So incredibly successful model. He's a he's an unassuming man that, you know, he you know, he's done so much in our legacy, you know, and it's just like and so I've been connected with him forever. He's one of the guys that I coach and mentor still. And I'm humbled that he calls me a mentor because um I just get to speak and kind of tweak his ideas. But he's 72. Like I said, he's got. 13 churches in the Philippines, Ralph. And, and now we're working on how do we transition? He's, he feels like he's got four more years in a tank and we're prayerfully looking for that new pastor of his church. But the church, Ralph, has never gone over 100. Never. But here's the thing is, he is generous without a fault. Yeah. Um, he, he stewards it. His people are faithful. They, they, they love Christ. They love his mission. So, and then the people that are outside of Hope Okinawa continue to fund him. So he is a legacy church that has learned how to sustain himself. And just by being him, he naturally plants small groups that come, become churches. He you know, still does. Amazing thing to me is that the church attendance fluctuates. I mean, all of us, you know, get into summer slump and all of those complaints, but his church fluctuates because as the Marine Corps moves a bunch of guys out right. and a bunch of people in, he'll, he'll lose half the congregation and then have to kind of start over and build over. But that, that turned him into a missionary sending agency yes. almost from the get-go. It's, it's very exciting to me. Well, and, 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 and the very personal note is my son, who got out of the Air Force, was stationed there. He's John's worship leader now. My wife, um, his wife, my daughter-in-law, runs all things tech. So it's, uh, it's a very safe place for, for my kids. Wow. That's really, cool. really, really fun. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Fun to reminisce about those good old days. I, I remember when we had we're, we're getting ready to move to Hawaii. And in California, we had two, what we were calling, what today I'd call a microchurch, you know, because that's the terminology that people are using, a microchurch inside the congregation versus yeah. a microchurch that's a standalone autonomous church on its own. But um, we had two. We, we had so many people that w- wanted to move to Hawaii. We had like all, all together around 60 people Including my wife. And, yeah, including your 18-year-old wife. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, we, but about 30 of us moved, including children. And, and as we 
prepared for this whole thing. <clears throat> the whole idea was always, you know, we, we're going to go in there prepared. Everybody has a job. We all know what we're going to do. But as quickly as we can, we're giving those jobs away to local people. And I, I remember that we had conflict over uh, worship because as quickly as we could, we handed off because we had some great worship leaders who went with us, but they were from the mainland and we wanted to reach local people. And, and it, you know, I was always talking about people with black hair. Um, yeah. You know, you're half Japanese, your wife is Chinese, and uh, Mark is Hawaiian and Portuguese. And yeah. so uh, I, I was accused by the mainland people of being a reverse racist. Ralph, I remember that. I remember that. And the thing is, um, even because um, I, I started going in the summer of 83 when we were four weeks old. And within a, within a year, I had a job. You hired me in July of 84. And uh, you hired Deb and I the same month. We were, and you, you hired local. And um, um, mostly everybody agreed, but there were a few that struggled with it. You know, I remember the term. I've never heard the term reverse racist, but you were just committed to you had always taught us early that um, the people in front, the worship team, the people giving the announcements, they're more than the pastor's face. They're going to represent to everybody. That's who they believe in. That's who they empower. So we always had a strong local front, even from the beginning. Well, you know, people kind of get into this um they equate perfection with excellence. To me, excellence is we're living out our values. Yes. Perfection is uh, you got to be be mecha mechanically perfect at whatever you do or technologically perfect. But part of our values, everybody plays. You know, if if you stack a church board with all of the the, the wealthiest, best, and brightest businessmen in the community then you miss out on that 19-year-old kid who can tell you something about your church that needs fixing. Or you, you miss out on the plumber who shows up with his family and wasn't treated so well, but you bring that guy on the board and now the church begins to treat people differently. And you have the smart businessmen because you need them. But to me, it was always the power positions and the visible positions need to represent who should be sitting in the seats. And if you don't have a, a, a wide representation, you're not going to have a wide representation in the church. And, and so churches become very, very narrow and focused. Uh, the one, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I could say that were wrong with what we did, but one of the things that always stood out to me, we were extremely multi-ethnic. I agree. We were also extremely middle-class. And where this showed up the most was later on, we started getting guys coming out of prison because I was on the radio. They'd listen to me in prison. First stop would be our church, but they'd only come once because, you know, they didn't fit. Yeah. And and so, you know, now the microchurch thing is really working in Hawaii. And so there's kind of like little churches for different little pockets of people. And well, they're, and it's, it's back to homogeneity in a sense. So the guys, they, you know, cause they, they love what we represent and do, but you're right, but they fit better in, in one of their, you know, the brother brothers, they would say in Hawaii in their living room with seven other guys and, you know, and they're loving in the Lord. And then they're not shamed to show their emotions, but they're growing together. And then they're recognized that they're hearing from God too. So I think that, you know, where we're going with this, you know, you know, you know, it's just 
you know, as we're talking about this, you know, COVID was the game changer route for us at Journey that we um, we went into COVID. We were running two campuses, just under 200 people. COVID hit. And then, you know, Hawaii, we were the most locked down state out of the 50s. So there was no end in sight to gathering. So very early on, we with our our network and we had a bunch of in Hawaii, they call it Kapuna, which is retired people, older people um, there. What do we do? We only had three mini churches. We weren't really doing that well with mini church. And so um, I had a couple guys and we decided to go house to house if they would let us in because there was fear. But we'd mask up, glove up, and we taught them how to do their computers. Some people, we upgraded them, but we taught everybody how to do Zoom. And that was a focused three months. And during COVID, Ralph, we went from three to a high of 21 mini churches. And, so stop, and stop and unpack this for a second, though. Okay. Because you, you brushed by it a little too quickly, I think, for the impact that it happened. Because I was talking to all these people, especially early on. People accommodated Zoom to some degree later on. The guys in Japan never did it very well at all. They just resisted it. But there was this um, Zoom fatigue, people said. You know, people have to go to Zoom meetings for work all week. They don't want to go to Zoom meetings for church. and and, and all that. But you know what? It's better to be together on Zoom than not to be together at exactly, all. Exactly, Ralph. Exactly. And then, well, people don't understand technology, especially Kapuna. The, the older people, they have no idea about how to make Zoom work. Well, pretty much you hit a link and now you're connected to Zoom. It's not really that hard. But for some people, it is. And you guys actually went into people's houses. Yeah. And set them up. And, and in some situations, you bought computers, you bought hardware, you did whatever it took to make. I mean, that's kind of the Hope Chapel way. Let's just exactly. do whatever it takes. So talk about that, though. Unpack it a little bit. Okay. So, Ralph, we're, we're getting started. You know, it's just like it, it, it hit us, right? Because all of a sudden, it's there's this thing in January of 2020 that they're talking about. I was in Japan, and, and it was – I was – with John B and Tosh in Okinawa and Tosh says, you better wear a mask. There's this thing from China. And I'm like, what? And so I'm, you know, so that was my first awareness of the, is there's this thing. It was in January. And then in March, all of a sudden the whole world locks down. Remember that all of a sudden, and we weren't prepared, but here's what God did. Ralph. Two weeks before the whole lockdown, a guy came to our church because a friend brought him and he's the tech whiz for Kaiser hospitals. I, only God can do this, right? Yeah. He gets saved at our church. So I'm, I'm, we're in and I'm like, well, I guess we'll do Facebook and I'll do it. And this guy, his name is Will. And he goes, he goes, John, I know what to do. And within a couple of weeks, he, we, we went out and bought what we needed to. So now we're already tech savvy and we're learning how to do stuff. Um, so we can do live stream. And then he goes, then we get a thing. It's still on our website. Try ask Will. He creates a, a, a Gmail thing. And he starts doing, um, he, we reach out and then Will goes house to house with Arlen and then another young guy and they go in and they assess because most of the people have computers, Ralph, but they got to upgrade them. Yeah. So Will coach them through upgrades. Sometimes he just drive the store and upgrade it themselves. But that's what happened. But it took a couple months. But again, it was this whole thing. Will's brand new to our church. No, he didn't go to membership. He hadn't been water baptized. He hadn't been any of that. But you know what? He loves the Lord and he has the ability to help. So I said, you go, Will. And and that's what happened. 
So one of the criticisms that I heard people knocking you guys for was that you'd actually take a few minutes in the service and talk about this every week and explain how to do Zoom so yeah. that a person who was on Zoom could tell the next person how yes. to use Zoom. And people were going, well, that's not very spiritual and all that kind of stuff. But it was extremely spiritual in that it was including a lot of people into the life of the church. Ralph, we did it for um, almost half a year. And, and Will would come up and we called it Triask Will. And he would come up and he's comical. Sometimes he was a little wordy. Because, you know, guys that are young and they're excited to get it. But, you know, I put up with it. But the thing is, he we got pretty soon people would email questions in. And he would answer, how do you do this? Or how do you transfer? And so Will, because he instantly knew. So he would make videos and do things. So we kept it up until the questions ended. You know, because so it had a life of its own. But we knew when to end. And, you know, you kind of just filter out the noise. Because it's the guys that they know. And they're like, oh, just get to the message or this. And, I, and I'm like, no, um, because... There are people that need this. And I think as leaders, sometimes we just got to learn how to, you know, filter through things, um, not be, you know, sometimes we're the, you know, Ralph, you know, pastors, we're the most insecure people. You just got to power through it because it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, I'm glad we did it and we stayed with it and look at us now. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.